0: Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. Happy birthday, America's money maven. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Hey Patrice, happy birthday. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. And if you couldn't guess it, you are tuned in for a very special birthday episode. Thank you so much for the love. Man, you guys do not disappoint. I really, I really was unsure on whether I would get some voicemails. Believe it or not, I really was. Um, And thank you so much. In a few short days, I got over three dozen questions and voicemails And I have to first say thank you so much to the people who just said happy birthday, that you would take your time to, you know, just wish me a happy birthday and well wishes. And my husband, my daughter will tell you on the way to church the other day, I was listening to some of the voicemail messages and I was tearing up. Some of you really sent me heartfelt messages. And I want you to know that I appreciate you so very, very much. I don't take that lightly at all. And then there were so many questions that were personal stuff and then some that were very much like business related. So I'm telling you in advance that I've decided to focus on me today because, I mean, it's my birthday. (laughs) So the people who asked some more personal questions, I'm going to use your questions to kind of tell the story of Patrice because the questions were just so good and so heartfelt that I think it'll make a really great episode. I'm I'm looking forward to diving into this. But for those of you who ask more business-related questions, guess what? You know I take care of you. I got something for you too. So if you don't know, I am the creator of something called the Earn More Money Movement for Women. And so every year on Equal Pay Day, I launch what is known as the Earn More Money Movement and so I take women through 20 principles that have helped me earn more money in my career, and my business. And so for those of you who ask questions about business related things, I'm gonna do a special episode for you for the month of April in celebration of Equal Pay Day. How about that? So I couldn't answer 25 questions in one episode. I'm definitely going to break it up and make sure that I get to as many of those as possible as well. But Z from, I think, Canada, I know you asked about podcasts. Lakeisha from Texas, you asked about self-publishing. Gwendolyn asked about how to scale a business. She's in Chicago. And Whitney from Maryland asked about how to be ready and prepared for opportunities. I want you to know, I got you. So just hang with me a few more weeks and I will get to that episode in the month of April 2018. But I'm going to jump in. Because I promised I would answer as many questions as I could in an hour show. So that's from intro to outro. Plus, I want to make sure that I share the number one lesson that I've learned personally over the last 365 days. If you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, then you already have an idea. But don't cheat. Listen all the way through. I promise this is going to be good. And I'm really excited to kind of share my story from this perspective. So if you have stumbled upon this podcast, if you are a guest, then what a great episode to join us on because you get to learn about your host. Uh, I interview amazing people every other week or so here on the podcast. And then I try to share my own experiences and insights. And I think you'll get a great sense of just who I am and why I believe in the power of redefining wealth. So if you've never seen me on TV, if you've never heard me on the radio or read about me, Or heard my story in an interview Then this is definitely the place And if you have had some sprinkles of that But you're a seasoned podcast listener (laughs) I call you an OG Redefining Wealth listener Then I really do hope that you get to learn even more about me And what makes me so passionate about serving you So without further ado Let's start with a question from Mildred Payton Hi, Patrice. This is Mildred Payton here. My question for you is What life event have you experienced that had the most influence on who you are today? What shaped you into being Patrice? So, Mildred, what has shaped who Patrice Washington really is? It's truly the story that I tell every time I get on a stage, every time I have an opportunity. I know that I truly am who I am and whose I am and where I am because of the moment that I found myself on the bathroom floor bawling and crying and asking God, why me? After my successful business, seven-figure business crumbled and the recession, and I had been on bed rest for 10 weeks in the hospital waiting to have my baby girl, and she barely made it. She was still 10 weeks premature and spent... 22 days in the NICU and then uh, coming out of the hospital to an entirely different world. Because when I went into the hospital, my business was booming. As far as I knew, (laughs) I was doing really well. And by the time I got out, I had seen banks that I worked with very closely as a real estate and mortgage broker closing down left and right. Being in that hospital room, when I was on bed rest at Cedar sinai in Beverly Hills, waiting to have my daughter. And my doctor coming in and telling me that if you don't stop stressing out, you're gonna leave here two years in a row with no baby because the year before I had a son prematurely who passed away almost to the day that my daughter ended up being born. But so making a decision to have the maintenance people come in and, and remove the TV, from the room so that I could focus on bringing this beautiful little girl who I knew was going to be gifted, who I knew would be smart, who I knew would be anointed, who I knew would be a fighter, who I knew would be compassionate. Everything that she is today, I knew it when I was praying. They were taking that TV out and I dedicated the next several weeks to just praying and doing praise and worship in the hospital and um, understanding that the world as I knew it may be different when I got out of there. But even though I didn't know what I was gonna do or how I was gonna do it, I felt this sense of peace that I knew I would be okay. And so, even when I got to that point, about 16, 18 months after getting out of the hospital, when I got to that point where I was actually on the floor in the bathroom, In this teeny tiny apartment after leaving LA, after foreclosing on a 6,000 square foot home and giving up matching Range Rovers and ending up in this 600 square foot apartment in Metairie, Louisiana, with only the bare necessities. And after having to chase down the power man to ask him not to turn the power off because I had a baby who still needed milk and needed food and going to a office a temporary assistance office TANF I believe is what it's called temporary financial assistance going to a office and literally breaking down and crying and telling this woman who I was basically at that moment I felt like begging for assistance that I don't belong here after going through all of those experiences despite Going to the University of Southern California and having this business degree and passing my broker's exam on the first shot and, you know, being this person who loved telling people about personal finance and was teaching at my church and doing all this stuff. Even after all of the accolades and all of the success and all of the different things I had accomplished to that point, what defined me was finding myself in one humbling position after another, And I can honestly say at this point, but I've been saying it for years now, that I don't regret it happening because although I had been passionate about financial education and used it as a tool to market my business and to use as like a ministry tool, you know, I felt like I could use my gifts in that way at churches and all this stuff. As much as all of that was true and I was passionate about it, I did not have the level of compassion that I have today. And the thing that I think keeps me humble and keeps me in the space of wanting to do what I do day in and day out, even if technically I don't have to work, not that my husband wouldn't love it, (laughs) not that he doesn't enjoy it or enjoy the benefits, but really, you know, he told me years ago that I didn't have to if I didn't want to, but this is not work. This is my purpose. The passion that I have is very real, but the compassion that I have for other people, especially women, especially mothers, especially those who have been high achievers for many years of their life, they have chased success or made success their addiction, as Marshawn Evans talked about last week. I have a heart for women. I just really do. And that's where it comes from. Like Those moments are truly what made me and molded me and shaped me into who I am. Those are the life events, the times when the degrees didn't matter, the titles didn't matter, what you used to have didn't matter, how you used to live didn't matter, what you used to drive didn't nobody give a damn. It was about, do you show up? Do you bring peace with you? Do you bring joy with you? Do you bring encouragement with you no matter what your financial circumstances are? And when I had to ask myself that question and when I had to assess that with or without money, I had to be clear on who I am and that I was still worthy, then that's what truly for me, I would say has to be one of the experiences that has influenced me the most Now, obviously, going through something as traumatic as losing your child and losing the business that you built that was kind of your baby for such a long time and all these things, they're not easy to go through. It's really traumatic. It's really difficult. It's really painful. It's embarrassing. It's, at different points, I even felt shameful. And so it was not easy going from, that place, going from sleeping on my brother's couch to becoming America's money maven. And so that's why I love this next question from Gifty. What helped you believe you were worth it? The accolades, the money, the opportunities, the titles. You know what, Gifty? Initially, I didn't believe I was worth it. When I was at my lowest point, I felt like, I had peace because I knew that I would be okay, but I still really didn't know how. I didn't have a game plan for how. And if you can't tell by now, I am like game plan queen. Like I have to have checklists. I have to have things broken down. I have to know what it looks like. And that has been something that I've been working on for years. That's why I talk about surrendering and expectancy and and the power of no comparison and all the different solo episodes that I've done. But what really made me feel worthy and has continued to make me see worthy is the impact that I know that I have on others. Like once I could really hone in on my gift and acknowledge the fact that there was something valuable in my gift, in my personality, in who God called me to be, that there was nothing wrong with me, that I had experienced a set of circumstances, but those circumstances were not me. And it took some time. And one of the things that really helped me grow my belief in this area, if you don't know by now, I love affirmations. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm like Wealth Affirmation Queen. And I just love affirmations. And one of the affirmations that I began to say is that I deserve to be wealthy because of the value that I add to others. And so what has helped increase my belief in my worthiness has been how much I've committed to pouring into other people. Because I really try to not let ego get in the way of what I do. I really try to not even make my career or make the accolades like an idol in my life. That doesn't matter to me as much as knowing that I'm doing what I truly feel led in my spirit and every fiber of my being to do, that I'm walking in what God has called me to, but that I know that people that I'll never meet, people that I may never touch, may never be able to hug or look at them eyeball to eyeball, that my work has impacted them for the good, that my work has impacted them for the good. And I believe that anyone who is a light worker, anyone who is out here doing their part to spread light as far and wide as possible and as deep as possible to cover the darkness, quite frankly, that we live in today, I believe that you deserve to be wealthy. I believe that if you're making that type of contribution and you're committed to impacting people for years, I mean, after you're gone, you still want your work to be a blessing to the next generation and and generations beyond that, then you do deserve to be wealthy. Because if you're willing to stand up and stand out and take the risk and take the ridicule and take the rejection and, and go through all the sacrifice that comes with doing such passionate work, then I believe that you deserve to be wealthy. And so once I started to get that in my spirit, I made it my business to make sure that that's what I was projecting. Meaning I had to give myself permission to own it because it's one thing to learn it and to, you know, you're like, okay, I get it. All right, God, I see what you're doing. I see how this is coming about. But then it became, when there were different opportunities for me to pitch myself or when folks reach out to me about working with their companies or any of that, there was a part of me that would go back to that time of being, you know, on that bathroom floor or at this really low place. And I would just get so excited about, which I think happens to a lot of women in particular, why we have this wage gap, is I would be so excited about being invited to the table. And then I had to remember, wait a minute, they're not inviting you because there's no one else to invite. You created this seat for yourself. By following your calling, you've carved this path for yourself. And they're not calling you because there's no one else. So you deserve to be at this table and you deserve to ask for what you're asking for because of the impact that you make on others. And so the first part was recognizing that in a sense, my failures have happened for me, not necessarily to me. They didn't come to break me down and weaken me. They really came to strengthen me in a lot of areas that I was not even aware that I needed strengthening in. And then accepting my gifts for what they are, my calling for what it is, not comparing to anyone else, kind of staying in my own lane, if you will, and embracing this idea that, man, if you're creating this type of impact, you deserve to be wealthy. It's just like athletes. If they are entertaining that number of people, well, I guess they deserve the money. It's like when you think about doctors or any high paying profession, you're like, well, I mean, if you're saving lives, (laughs) surgeon, then yeah, you deserve that money, right? And it's in the same way. I feel like I'm saving lives every day. I really do. I know that I'm saving marriages. I know that I'm saving families. I know that I'm saving us, myself included many days from us, (laughs) From the thoughts and the feelings that consume us and want to pull us back when we're trying to move forward. And then giving myself permission, gifty, to sit in that, to walk in that, to rise in that spirit with that attitude every time I walk in a room and every time I'm called to the table. Now, as much as I've learned to do affirmations and declarations and pump myself up and get in the mirror before I get on TV or I get on stage and say, you are, I am America's money maven. And I'm affirming, you know, things because I still get butterflies. I still get super nervous. And I remember Steve Harvey telling me one time that if you don't get nervous anymore, you shouldn't be doing it because it means you no longer care about the people. And I still get nervous. I still can pump myself up. But what is so much better is when my support team is there. And so I haven't done this alone. I have definitely learned to lean on other people. And so that's why I love this next question from dean. Check it out. Hello, Patrice. My name is Herdine Mercier from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I am blessed to have a wisdom team built of close friends and family. We strengthen each other through amazing conversations about life's trials, and as well as the blessings that come with it. Patrice, if you were to pick two wisdom team members, who would it be and why? Wow, Herdeen, that was a great question. So who is in my wisdom team. I guess you said two people, but there's so many. I kind of have little buckets or categories because, you know, if I'm being honest, there's certain friends who cannot be burdened with certain information. (laughs) They couldn't handle some of these difficult conversations. And I am so for people following their truth and their path and their calling. But the truth is, as an entrepreneur, it's not easy. It's difficult. And I do have some friends where I don't go into the details and the trenches and the gutter of entrepreneurship because I don't want to discourage them. It's not that I hide anything from them, but I don't want to discourage them. But I am really blessed with a great wisdom circle, if you will. First and foremost, my husband. My husband and I, he's just really one of my best friends. And so he sees the good, the bad, the ugly the tears, the heartache, the everything, even when he caused it, I still have to talk to him about it. (laughs) And so I think he's one of the number one people in my wisdom circle, but I'm really fortunate. Brandy Harvey is my accountability partner and is someone who I go to. We just talk, we just talk. Our check-ins for our goals for the quarter is supposed to be, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes for each of us to really get through what our goals are in each area when we do our monthly check-in. And it turns into like a two-hour sister girl (laughs) fest. I don't even know why we play and block 30 minutes or an hour on the calendar because we need two hours. So Brandy Harvey, I have a prayer partner who I pray with every Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. She is definitely... In the wisdom circle because not only can she give me good advice, she gives me godly advice. And we read different books and encourage each other with what we're reading and go to the scriptures, you know, for certain things. And she's definitely in the wisdom circle. Um, my mom, for sure, has, I think, helped save me from a lot of things, sheltered me from a lot of things because she's always pouring her wisdom into myself and my my older brother. And there's something that I did really neat this year, Hardine. I reached out for my 10-year anniversary to all of my bridesmaids. And I told them that I wanted to do brunch with bridesmaids where once a month we would get together for brunch and just check on each other and love on each other because what we see in social media is not real. You know, like that doesn't mean that you're okay because you still managed to put up a quote. Or a cute picture, it doesn't mean that you're okay It doesn't mean that your heart is good You know, it doesn't mean that your spirit is in the right place And so even for my bridesmaids that live out of state I have forced them to FaceTime with me <laughs> At least once a month And as much as it was about me just wanting to put eyes on them It also was reminding them that I'm here And a lot of times as a good girlfriend in the wisdom circle, sometimes when people see your life from the outside, they don't want to burden you with their problems or they don't want you to feel, you know, like you have to stop doing what you're doing to answer a question or to just be there for them. And I made it a priority this year that I wanted to be sure That my good girlfriends, the people whose wisdom circles I'm in, even though they haven't named it that or told me that, that they know that I'm still the friend you can put on your emergency card. If something goes down, I'm going to answer and I'm going to be there for you. And never think because you see me going here or going there, that I'm too busy to be a listening ear or a shoulder you can cry on or just someone who is always down. (laughs) I am that friend that's going to talk you out of it, but if you must, I will drive you. (laughs) And y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Okay. So let's get into this question from Shamika. Hey, Patrice. Happy birthday. This is Shamika. My question for you is, what would you like your legacy to be for your daughter and or children And also, what would you like your legacy to be in the world? You know what, Shamika, it's funny. When my daughter was born, I really thought that she was going to be a mini-me. So I imagined her, and it might be silly, but I imagined her wanting to do what mommy did. And I've always lived my life in a way, and I continue to live my life in a way that I believe will make her proud, that can be an example for her of what's possible I do believe that she's going to far supersede anything my husband and I have accomplished just because she's so much smarter (laughs) already. And my mom does not hesitate to tell me how much smarter she is than I was when I was that age. But, of course, I always respond with, you know, good parenting. (laughs) But for me, I always thought she would be a mini me and want to do the things that I do in terms of being an author or a speaker, because she does talk a lot at school, my Lord, or just those types of things. And one of the things that I've realized over the last couple of years is that she is her own person, really. And I know for the parents listening, it's weird. It's, it took me several years to just really, really understand that she is her own person. She has her own thoughts, her own emotions, her own feelings, her own likes, her own dislikes. And so I used to think that like what legacy looked like was that she would want to write books about money for children and she would wanna be on the stage with me and she would wanna do all this stuff and that's how I would continue the legacy. But honestly, at this point, I'm just trying to do my best as a working mother to raise her to be a God-fearing, productive member of society, you know, to treat people well, to respect herself at all times, to honor God and to just be a good person, you know, just to be a good person. If I do my part with the short time we're given when our kids are adolescents to expose her to the world and make sure that she can experience different things and be around great people. And I impart to her all the wisdom that I possibly can, but still give her the flexibility to be who she is and walk in what God has called her to do. I feel like like I've done my job. But I'll tell you this, in terms of my legacy for the world and the impact that I want to leave on the world, I'm going to tell you this quick story because I think it really illustrates who I've always been. And there was a time when I was about eight or nine years old, I was driving someplace with my mom and there on like a Saturday and there was a funeral procession. And I was used to whenever, you know, you see the police officers come around, the motorcycle cops, you know, you get ready because you're going to have to sit through several lights. That that was my only experience with something like that. And even going to a funeral, like for someone in my family, that was the only thing I understood. And so I was preparing myself for this long stop at this intersection because I thought the funeral procession would go on forever But it was really only like 12 or 13 cars, and they kept going. And I remember very clearly being so disturbed by that, really disturbed. And it probably took me a few minutes or I don't know how long before I asked my mom, though, like, what was that about? Why was that so short? And, you know, she kind of, well, you know, there wasn't a lot of people at the funeral. And I was so perplexed. And I told her, I was eight or nine years old. I said, I don't want to be a person (laughs) that people don't want to come see about when I die. Like when I leave this earth, I want thousands of people to want to come to my memorial service. I want them to have to shut something down. I want to have the type of impact that makes people take off work. I want to be worthy of you taking off work. I want to be worthy of you reaching out to my family and giving your condolences. I want to be worthy of you saying, even if I have to stand, I'm going to line these walls of this church or wherever and make sure that I share that this girl has been a blessing to my life. And I was nine years old. and so. Honestly, it's been in my heart and my mind and my spirit and my soul forever, for as long as I can remember from that moment, which is now darn near 30 years ago, that I wanted to leave the type of legacy, but lead the type of life that mattered, that mattered. When I'm gone, I don't want it to be three, four, five months before you go, you know, whatever happened to that Patrice girl? No, I want people to feel it. I do. I want you to feel it. And I want you to have something that you can hold on to. Some word of wisdom, some nugget that I taught you, a text, uh, You know, my books, my audio, my voice. I want you to be able to listen to my voice and read my words and watch me on the screen and still be able to glean something from the wisdom that I left with you. And that's who I've been And that's what I've aimed to do my entire life, the last 30 years. So that's the legacy I want to leave, Shamika. And thank you for that question. All right. So let's get into our next question. Hi, Patrice. This is Shanika S. Nelson. And I have a question. So after you surrender, after you realize that you need to hand everything over to God, what's your next step? Because although we surrender, other people who are around us, they don't see or know or understand our road to surrendering everything over. So how do you pick up, whether it's with motherhood, business, marriage, how do you incorporate those once you decide to surrender? Oh, Shanika, that is such a great question. And I actually saw a lot of questions about this in social media ever since the episode about being selective with your surrender. There was some conflicting opinions there, but all I can do is share my own. And so Shanika, I'll tell you this. Every time I make a choice to surrender, one of the first things that I have to embrace is just being present in the moment, just being still and really taking in what's going on around me. And so I personally, have made, in my own mind, made it okay to decide to do nothing. (laughs) Like deciding not to decide anything is a decision. And it's a really powerful decision when you are trying to be still and not trying to control or manipulate an outcome that you want. And so sometimes if we just practice a little bit more patience in certain areas, we'll find that surrendering really helped us as much as it feels like you're doing nothing, right? But I still say that you can wait with purpose. Like I believe that God knows what you're waiting on when he sees what you're working on. And so even in surrendering, it doesn't mean absolutely do nothing. Like being still is still an action. Being still is just not running yourself ragged, trying to force anything, but committing to, being intentional about the things you are doing, but not forcing, not anxious about it. And so for me, it looks like once I make a decision to surrender, it's first being still and embracing the moment and giving myself a chance to really process everything and everyone that's around me. And then praying about how to move forward with those things, but not jumping into action. And then the other part is being okay with asking for help. So when I lost everything, when I first got this big aha moment about surrendering and letting go, it is during that time that I was on the bathroom floor. (laughs) A lot happened on that bathroom floor, but when I was uh, snotting and crying and asking God, why me? Why did I have to lose all my money when I had done things, quote unquote, the right way or so I thought I did? And a part of it was understanding with that whole scripture, Proverbs 17, 16, right? What good is money in the hands of a fool? Again, if they had no desire to seek wisdom, one of the things that I learned is because I was trying to control and force how I would get out of that financial bind, that financial situation, I was trying to make things happen with my own intellect, with my own knowledge, with my own effort, as opposed to realizing that There's clearly something here that I don't know. So let me seek wisdom. Let me seek wisdom. And to me, that looked like learning how to ask for help in the areas where I needed to ask for help. It looked like taking that cape off that says that I have to know everything and be everything and do everything and saying, I can't handle all of that and I need help. And once I could come to grips with that, and not feel the shame or embarrassment that I once did because I thought that I had to be all things to all people at all time. Once I got out of that, the other thing that was really helpful in this seasons of surrender is teaching people how to treat me. Lisa Nichols, who was a mentor of mine, she was actually my coach, like a speaking coach for me. Um, A few years ago. But Lisa says that sometimes you have to sit the people down that you love the most, people that you interact with all the time, and apologize to them for teaching them to mistreat you or teaching them to think that some of their actions and behaviors or ways of being were okay when they really weren't and they were breaking you down. And so while you're in this process of surrendering, It's Again, it's about not forcing or manipulating an outcome because that's the way you want it, but being still and being silent a lot of the time and waiting. It's going to sound crazy, but almost waiting on this download, right? That'll come and kind of direct what the next best step is. And it's really hard to explain. It's one of those things that you just feel in your spirit. You know, like you just know, like, okay, Because it's probably out of the norm of what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, how you would normally do it. And it's a a bit of a shift. And when you feel it and you just start to move in that direction, it's like you have that gut instinct. And there's a difference between that intuition, that divine intuition, and you just popping off and doing what you normally do. And you'll be able to tell the difference. You really will. You'll be able to tell the difference. And so, once you make a decision to surrender, again, it's not that you are still and you do nothing. I believe you're still taking measures to do what you can do. Like, if you're, for me, you know, I've had to surrender. I needed to surrender, for example, as I talked about in a previous episode, the surrendering episode, I talked about secondary infertility, right? And I've talked about letting go of this expectation of how. This needs to happen. It must be like this. Now, that doesn't mean that I haven't researched different fertility treatments. It doesn't mean that I haven't researched about foster care or adoption. It doesn't mean that my husband and I haven't ran all the tests. We've done things to make ourselves aware of the information. We just haven't forced any particular direction. And I hope that makes sense. Like, We haven't forced any particular method like, okay, it must be this because we're still in this place of surrendering and really being still and deciding that right now we don't have to make a decision. We can get information and then let that information marinate and wait until we feel released to go in any one direction that we feel God has called us to. And so it's not an easy process, but I hope that gives you a a bit more insight, Shanika, into what do you do once you make a decision to surrender? You can still decide not to decide anything (laughs) because that's a decision. And sometimes our lack of patience makes us want something that's not right for us right now. And we're willing to do something that's not right just because, We get to do something now, but I'd rather take my time and surrender and be still and maybe gather information and do the things that I know I can do, but not force anything in particular, because when it's in God's timing and when it's God's will, it's going to go the way that it should. And you don't have to fight against anything. You can actually be in the flow and the process will be so much smoother. So I hope that helps. Let's get into our last question for this episode. And I saved Amy's question for last because it ties in so perfectly to the lesson, the number one lesson that I've learned over the last 365 days. So thank you, Amy. (laughs) Amy was one of my coaching clients. Thank you, Amy. You asked a great question and I think it's gonna benefit all of us. So check it out. Patrice, I'm wondering... How do you get past people who have wronged you in personal life or business life? I mean, I get pray God, but how do you trust yourself again to not work with or pick people who don't have your best interest at heart? So, Amy, like I said, great question, because one of... The greatest lessons that I've learned over the last year in particular as I celebrate today, my 37th birthday, is a lesson in forgiveness per se because I have been through betrayal. I have been wronged. I have been (laughs) done dirty, whatever you want to call it. And in particular, what I wanted to share was that I learned over this last year that I could choose peace at any moment. I could choose peace at any time I wanted to access it. And the truth of the matter is over the last year and a half or so, I have been stalked. I have been harassed. I have been victimized online. And although the person makes countless Instagram profiles and Facebook profiles and goes out of their way to behave this way. I know who it is. It's someone who pretended to be a friend and come to find out the reality is they were simply annoyed by my anointing. And ever since meeting me, after a few weeks or so, I would say have they've just become obsessed with trying to take my joy and my peace. And so when you ask Amy about how do you get past people who have wronged you, for me, there's a couple things I've learned that it was not about me. Like I said, in this scenario in particular, but different scenarios throughout my life, when I have been wronged by someone I try to remove myself from it, not make it personal, not take it personally, because I know, and Amy, I know you, I know that I'm not the type of person that bothers anyone. I don't go around starting things with people, picking fights with people, just creating drama. That's not who I am. That's not how how I live my life. And I've often said that if someone is mad at me, they've probably made it up in their head. <laughs> I've learned that this is really less about me and more about you. And the more that I try to look at that, like for this woman in particular who harasses me online, you know, the truth is I feel sorry for her. I really do. I feel sorry that a grown woman in her forties could be so miserable And not focused on what her calling is. And I'm not saying this to be petty, you guys. I mean it in all sincerity. Like I'm at the point now where I pray for the people who have wronged me. I pray for them that they would get to a place in their life where they could have purpose And where they could have peace and where they could experience prosperity and not in terms of money, because some of the most miserable people I know have money. It's not about the money, but it's just that good feeling of well-being, right? And because I was wronged by someone who called themselves my friend or tried to pretend that they were my friend it did for for a quick second it almost made me want to be like okay no new friends you know that drake song right no new friends i don't need anyone else i got my brunch with bridesmaids going on i have really good girlfriends i need to just stick with that but that's also a trick of the enemy because in order to accomplish the vision that you have for your life you have to trust other people you have to Allow yourself to engage and build relationships with other people. Now, I pray every day for wisdom and discernment, that I make wise choices in the people that I choose to be around me, but I also cannot live in a bubble. I can't live in this space of I don't talk to new people, I don't allow people in, because nothing positive, I believe, really happens in such isolation I believe that there's times when you need to be alone, but there's a difference between how you recharge and then just straight up isolation. And I think it's a trick because if I isolated myself from women, let's say, and said, you know what? No new friends. I don't want to, I wouldn't know you guys, you know, like I wouldn't have the relationships that have been created just out of extending the invitation to be on the podcast to different women or going to different events where I get to love on other women and be loved on. Like, I don't just allow people in my space just get to come to my house, you know, unless we built a relationship, we're not going on vacation together, but I'm very careful that I don't allow one or a few bad apples to spoil the entire garden. Because there is so much out there. There is so much richness out there. And so many people who are genuinely good and kind people. And I still choose to see the world that way. And so I pray for wisdom and discernment. And I continuously pray, God, that if there's anyone in my life who doesn't need to be here, that you expose them and remove them immediately. And so sometimes when people drop like flies, I don't even bat an eyelash for one reason or another. It's not about I don't just break relationships but sometimes I'll see things or I'll pick up on things that I didn't necessarily see in the beginning and then I know how to slowly untie some relationships you just have to know where to keep them not everyone is welcome in the inner circle but in terms of getting past people who have wronged me definitely a lot of prayer I know you said that but true it's true definitely a lot of prayer and a lot of making it more about them and less about me because when you live in a space of beat up and you're trying to pick apart all the things that you should have did, could have did, would have did, might have done, nothing gets resolved. And my definition for forgiveness is giving up the possibility of a better past, and it's not always always about you got to forgive that other person. Sometimes you have to forgive yourself. And in my case, I have forgiven myself for allowing this person to get so close to me that they could Reap the havoc that they've done to be in close proximity to my family and just personal things about me. Definitely. But I can't live in regret of that because I have to move forward. And I still have a call in my life to serve women and to respect women and to love on women and to support women. And so I'm not going to let one woman mess that up. For me, it's a case by case scenario. But I do know now more than ever that when people show you who they are, you believe them. And even if they don't show you, look at how people interact with other folks. It can't be everyone else. That's crazy. (laughs) All that give people the benefit of the doubt. mm, We'll see. Case by case scenario. But the greatest lesson I've learned, you guys, and I really just wanted it to come to this. The greatest lesson that I've learned Over the last 365 days as I've been harassed and terrorized online, and I I don't say that lightly, I, I mean it, is that in those moments, I could choose to allow this person who clearly has no peace in their lives and is miserable to allow me to join them and make myself miserable and spiral into all these other things and replay these stories and all this over and over again. Or I could choose peace. And so in those moments when I would open my phone and open it up to my Instagram app or you know Twitter or my Facebook app or whatever and see just craziness, just just disgusting, quite frankly, posts or different things that I would be tagged in on these different pages and stuff. You guys, I literally would say, choose peace, choose peace, choose peace. And I would say, God bless her. God bless her. How sad. How very sad, how unhappy she must be. God bless her. How pathetic. I mean, really, how pathetic to have to live in this space to make your significance based on trying to scare someone else. I. It's just, it's mind boggling. And all this time later, I still don't understand. And up until a couple of weeks ago, I was still getting stuff, but I'm also at one of the most peaceful places in my life because that experience has pushed me deeper into my prayer closet. It's pushed me deeper into my faith. It's pushed me deeper into my calling. So much has happened since that experience began, since this harassing began. I launched Redefining Wealth and I started writing my next book and launched the podcast. And so many incredible things have happened in my family life. And I'm in a great place and I'm more grounded than I probably have ever been. And so it comes from even in those moments when someone is out to destroy you, to kill, steal, and destroy your peace, your hope, your spirit, your joy, that you could still choose in the midst of that chaos. Because choosing peace, it doesn't mean that nothing is happening. It means that how you react in the midst of the chaos is like, man, it's that peace that transcends all understanding. And I realized that I don't have to wait to go to church to find peace. I don't have to wait until my morning meditation. I don't have to call my prayer partner. I don't have to go outside of myself. I can literally say, I choose peace. I choose peace. I choose peace. (laughs) I will not be riled up I will not be consumed by this. I will not be distracted by this. And I could close my phone and go back to doing what I'm doing and deal with whatever it is later. Block, delete. Same old, same old. But you got to understand that when situations like this come up, when people wrong you, when all these things happen, it's not even about you. And I've just really tried to see people with a different set of eyes and Again, I just feel sorry for him. So, Amy, I hope that helps. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. And I think inherently most people are good. Don't close yourself off to anyone, you know, until they give you reason to. You can't live your life like that. At least I can't live my life like that. And I've seen over and over again how relationships with people, with women for me in particular, have been just such a blessing that I thank God that I didn't close myself off because of a few bad experiences. I really do. I hope you have enjoyed this birthday episode with me. I want to thank you again for all the questions from You amazing women in particular that I serve, hearing your voices just made you even more real to me. It's one thing to see numbers on a dashboard, and this, and you know, I see your comments and I love seeing your comments and I love checking out your profiles, your pages on Instagram and on Twitter. And but to hear your voice just makes you so much more real. And I want you to know that I carry a picture of you. In my spirit. When I get weak, I think of you guys, my daughter and my mother, they inspire me and my husband motivates me. But you guys push me to get it done, especially during those seasons when it's just not easy, when I am being harassed, when someone is trying to take my peace, when I don't feel like it, when I've been attacked on social media. (laughs) And I wanna say sometimes, God, why can't you just bless me with a desk job? Somewhere that allows me to detach, you know? And this, I'm not knocking anyone with a desk job, but this is so real to me. Like I carry this, I'm thinking about you all, I'm thinking about what I could do to serve you all the freaking time. And so sometimes I am like, oh my gosh, I need to turn this off, right? But your voices now match with your Instagram profiles and your pictures. Just make you even more real to me. And so, by the time you hear this message, I hope to be lounging on a beach somewhere in paradise. But just know that I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much for the continued support. Thank you so much for coming back week after week, for sharing, for rating, for reviewing, for finding me on social media and just giving me kind words. I appreciate you guys so much. If you want to leave anything about this episode, please go to redefiningwealthpodcast.com. That's redefiningwealthpodcast.com. You can find me on social at Seek PCW. And if you're new here, I hope you learned a little bit more about me and my background through this episode. Make sure you subscribe. We will be back on with another great episode next week learning from... A wonderful, wonderful guy. The author of The Laws of Wealth It's going to be a great interview. He's so amazing. He's like my white male brother. (laughs) I think I told him on the interview, he's like my long lost cousin. You guys don't want to miss it. So make sure you're back next week. But until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money.